Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content, not just the front line with Joe and Joe, even though we're great. Thank you. Um, but also... Uh, Follow Joe and I wherever you find us on uh, social media, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Rumble. We, you can find us at Frontline TV or at the Frontline with Joe and Joe. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff, something to help us out. And as always, we appreciate you keeping us in your prayers. And today, we are very pleased and honored to be welcoming back to our program a friend of the show, Chris Bell who is the co-founder of Good Council Homes. Now, many of you out there in the Veritas audience uh, might not be readily familiar with Chris Bell or Good Council, so I'm going to give a little bit of an introduction. Uh, Good Council is a nationally recognized nonprofit leader and innovator in creative, creating supportive residential care and community-based services for homeless, expectant, and new mothers and their children in the context context of Catholic social tradition. Pregnant and expected mothers with or without born children, including mothers with mental health or addiction challenges from any location, are able to receive help in a Good Counsel home. Good Counsel was founded in 1985 and its outreach program continues to this day. Uh, Good Counsel has four homes, three in New York State, uh, in the Bronx, Richmond, and Rockland, and in New Jersey's Burlington County, just outside Camden, very near Philadelphia. Now, a couple of quick facts about Good Counsel homes, just you, so you could uh, hear the, the good work, all right, the Lord's work that they're doing. And this is just a couple of their accomplishments. 7,800 mothers and children helped since 1985. 1,240 babies born to mothers living at Good Council Homes since 1985. In 2020, they had 30 new births. Over 750,000 days of help and nights of shelter have been provided to homeless mothers and their children. And that's just to name a few. Chris Bell, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Thank you both. Joe squared. It's great Love to it. see you. Love it. <laughs> Chris, we'll do something a little different. You lead us in prayer, please. Uh, oh, you're very kind. Uh, in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts and guide us and let us do your will as you will it for as long as you will it. And where you challenge us, help us to know that you provide the grace. For the Lord guides us as a shepherd guards his flock, and that trust, let it grow in our hearts and minds every day so that we can be your witnesses no matter what the situation or who is around us. We thank you, Lord, and through the intercession of your blessed mother, our mother Mary, may we grow in greater strength and faith and hope and love. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Chris, we'll get right into it. I'll tell you, this is the third time we've had you on, and I love having you on um, because, to be honest with you, you know, uh, I have a great deal of respect for what you've done. You are a layman, and you got out of the boat, and this is something that Joe and I always talk about. We all can do something, and you did it. You did it. And everyone, this should inspire people because everyone could do something for God, and we have to just get out of the boat. And you did. And I, I give you kudos. I have a great deal of respect for you. Um, and to be honest with you, in many ways, uh, I, I admire you. And, 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 and I think it's something what you've accomplished through God's grace can be done by others. And I hope people see that because, you know, God uses normal guys and you're a normal guy. And that's why we love you. Well, well you're very kind, but don't say too much because then I'll lose any grace. that. Might be <laughs> yeah. And now I'm down another notch, you know, uh, and, and it gets me frightened when I hear get, you got out of the boat because you know what happened right after that? Peter sank. So, uh, well, just, we'll keep praying and we'll keep trying. Hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get into all the good things that you guys are doing, um, I want to talk a little bit about legislation and courts because a lot has been going on. Um, and I think we have to educate people to give them an idea of what's going on because there could be some major shifts happening in 2022. And I think people have to be aware of that. Let's start off with Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. For our listeners who don't know what's going on with that, the Supreme Court has has uh, agreed to take this case. Um, and very briefly, the case is a direct challenge to the constitutionality of, of a Mississippi law with limited exceptions, bars abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy. Now, Chris, why is that significant? And also talk about the amicus brief that your organization, Good Counsel Homes, filed. Well, thank you, uh, Joe, so much for that question. Let me quickly say, Good Counsel Homes is, is not political, and we're not involved in legislation or really too much on advocacy, except... You know, we work with homeless mothers and children. So if you're pregnant and you need a place to stay, go to goodcouncilhomes.org. You know, you can find out a lot more information about us. You can call our national helpline, and that's council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, homes, with an S at the end of it, dot O-R-G. But because of that, you know, I felt like the man who's at the bottom of the river and he sees these bodies going down. You probably all heard this analogy before. And the guy's pulling them out, trying to save these bodies that, that you know, are half dead to save them. Then he finally says, why don't I go up river and find out why they're falling in the river in the first place? So in opening Good Council Homes in 1985 for women and children, I couldn't believe that half the women, maybe more, who were coming into our home pregnant or with children had already had at least one abortion. So then I said, well, why is this so many young, bright, courageous young women, why do they have an abortion before? What is this? And the women themselves were telling me in 1985, abortion was hurting them. They didn't always use those words, but everything they were describing, they had nightmares. They were frightened. They, you know, didn't know if their own baby that they were carrying was going to be born healthy or not. Um, they kept wondering what happened to that first child. So 
because of that, I felt now I have to speak out for the women and children. And now, the, right up to today, uh, the Supreme Court is looking at this case, Dobbs versus Jackson, uh, women's health, because uh, the, um, Mississippi passed this law saying they're going to stop abortion at, at 15 weeks and uh, that that's in the state's interest. Uh, and, and quickly, I'll say that's just another step. It's not the end game. But uh, because the Supreme Court hadn't considered this before, uh, it's now reached them. And if they say, yes, uh, Mississippi, you can uh, prevent abortion at 15 weeks, then that allows all the other states to take that next step. That will save lots of babies from dying. And more importantly, much more importantly, is sending a message to say, you know, maybe abortion isn't so good. Maybe abortion should be prevented. Maybe women can get help like they do not only a good counsel, but by many, many other pro-lifers throughout the country. There's no woman in the United States who cannot get support, free support, loving support, counseling, material goods for them, not only during the pregnancy, but afterwards, as good counsel does, you know, postpartum. Uh, and so we decided uh, at good counsel to add our voice, uh, our little voice uh, to this big issue to uh, file an amicus brief. An amicus brief, uh, it, it means friend of the court friend of the court. And uh, many of the listeners may have already heard of uh, this phrase, stare decisis. Now, I'm not a lawyer, uh, so I'm not going to speak legalese, but but they say that Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, that those two Supreme Court decisions, because they were made before, and they said abortion is okay for any woman in America, literally up to birth, that's what the Supreme Court decided uh, since 1973, uh, that um, because of this, a previous decision, stare decisis means it was already decided before. It's like you saying, um, you know, well, well, I told you that before, whether it was right or not. You know, I told you you can make a left-hand turn, even though it's a one-way street, because before it was a one-way street, it was two-way. So I made that decision before, it's still good not very good thinking, right? But that's that's where uh, legalese can get you. Okay. So right, Chris, I just want to I just want to cut you off for, for just one second and then yeah. please keep that thought. Yeah. What I loved about or one of the things I loved about the Amy Coney Barrett hearing um, along the lines of stare decisis, because that's what you hear when a conservative is, is nominated to Supreme Court precedent, stare decisis precedent. Now it's super duper pre well now it's super precedent soon it's going to be according to feinstein super duper precedent and then super duper duper precedent but i loved the fact i love when i love when the and again i know you're not political um but i love when the left the 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 rabidly pro-abortion left with their stupid arguments get their stupid arguments handed right back to them i don't know if you remember amy klobuchar tried to try to corner uh amy coney barrett um on on super precedent and basically she schooled her amy coney barrett said well okay super president marbury versus madison Brown versus the Board of Education. Yeah, those are those are things that are not contested anymore. They are super precedent. She goes, Roe versus Wade has been argued since the time it was decided upon. 
it doesn't fall under that category because it's obviously in the political arena and it's dividing the country. So I'm sorry, Senator Klobuchar, it's not super, it doesn't fall under that. Now I'm paraphrasing Amy Coney Barrett, but she basically wanted to say, in my opinion, a dummy. I know what you're trying to do. It's not super precedent. We fight this abortion battle every day. Sorry about that, Chris, but I wanted the people out there to hear about that at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Well, go ahead. Please Thank continue. you. Thank you very much. Well, it's a good point, and, that, and that's exactly it. Because something was decided before, you know, slavery was decided many, many times uh, at the Supreme Court that it was allowed, and it was in the Constitution, and, of course, it was okay. Yeah, obviously— uh, there are things that Supreme Courts decide that are terribly, horribly wrong, mistaken. Uh, I mean, they permit sterilization, you know, of those who are feeble-minded. That's a, a decision that was made 100 years ago. It has not been reversed. So as we look at uh, this Dobbs uh, case before the Supreme Court, uh, our voice, our little voice says um, that because in Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, those two cases, you said that women, the Supreme Court said women need this abortion availability for their social and economic um, uh, progress. And we're saying no. And our little uh, amicus brief, I'm holding it up for those who are on the radio. It's a little green pamphlet. It's only nine pages. It's very simple. But what it's saying is no, no. Women don't need abortion to progress socially or economically. And in fact, you know, I have real life examples and uh, in, in this little brief, you know, we've just put in a handful of mothers, but we have thousands of women who gave birth and because they gave birth, they had a better life. Uh, like uh, Anna, who was an immigrant who came legally to this country to work and uh, when she became pregnant uh, and uh, the few people she knew, she came to know as friends here, told her you don't have to have a baby here in this country. And uh, even the people she was you know, working with said, I'm sorry, you know, you won't be able to keep working here. She didn't know what to do, but she found out about good counsel. And this was before the age of the Internet. But this goes on every day, even now. And so she came to our home. If she didn't, she didn't know where she was going to live, what she was going to do. But we helped her, you know, for a little more than a year. In fact, she was so good and so uh, just conscientious, we hired her. She was the first mother in our home that we hired. And ever since then, we've had women who've lived in the home who are working in the office or on staff in the, in the houses uh, or in fund development. They do wonderfully well, wonderfully well. So it's not necessary. And in fact, and in fact, abortion harms women. And that's a fact across the board. It's like putting a gun to somebody's heart, really, because they will live with that horrible decision. Even those who say they're for it, they're for it, and they're fighting for it. My dears, and the men who've supported that, it's killing them spiritually. And I just don't mean religiously, spiritually, I mean, in their souls, in their emotions. Uh, you don't want to live with nightmares. You don't want to live with uh, thinking about that child you could have had. And for those women who they say it absolutely has never affected them, and, and if you're listening to us now and you say, it's never bothered me, well, then please consider all those who it does bother, because I see them every single day for more than 36 years. I know women, and I know men who suffer every single day 
for the rest of their lives. So please, please, uh, uh, you're going to say, well, if they, they, it's going to suffer for them, then they shouldn't do it. Let me tell you, again, relating to this Supreme Court decision, if it comes down that we're going to stop abortions at 15 weeks, then the message is maybe this isn't so good. And maybe like in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, you know, that I'm most familiar with, but truly in those other states like Illinois and New Hampshire, uh, Vermont, where they're pushing, pushing abortion till the moment of birth, it, it sends a message that's not so good. You don't want that pressure on women because again, I see and hear and meet women who are being told and pressured, pressured by their doctor, by their social worker, by their family, by their friends, because abortion is so available. So let's say, no, it's really not so good. And let's look at alternatives first. Let's give real life-giving, healthy choices. And, uh, and in our brief, you'll read more about that. If anybody, in fact, wants to get a copy of our brief, like I said, just nine pages, uh, you could email me uh, at C Bell, the letter C B E L L at goodcouncilhomes.org. Good counsel, C O U N S E L, homes with an S at the end of it.org. I'll gladly send you a free copy. Uh, and if you want it, the hard copy, then then mail it to you. Go online and, and then you know write us a letter um, in, uh, in Sukkotis. All right. And yeah. uh, you're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. And we're having a great conversation, as always, with our friend Chris Bell, the co-founder, as he said, of Good Council Homes. We would encourage everyone to uh, donate to that organization because they're doing great work. Joe Racinello, I want to hand it over to you. I just want to make a quick 30-second comment, if that's okay, on what Chris just said. I love having Chris on for the reason that he his very existence and the existence of good council homes blows up this narrative that women do not have any choices, especially if they're lower on the on the scale of, you know, on the on the economic scale. And I say that not just in terms of what Chris does and he said other organizations. We're going to talk about Texas also, okay? But but I do want to say this about Texas. Texas provides a hundred million dollars. The government, the state government of Texas provides a hundred million dollars a year for the services that Chris is talking about. So it's not just the private, you know, the uh, private organizations like Good Council Homes um, and the Catholic Church in general, okay? But also on the state level, there's no callousness here. There's no lack of compassion, okay? Um, because the state of Texas that, that passed, and we'll talk about it, that passed the heartbeat bill, well, they're providing, you know, $100 million a year to help these women. So let me leave that there. I'm going to hand it back over to Joe. I want to focus specifically on the Dobbs case for one reason. A lot of legal scholars, and I've read a, a number of pieces on this, actually think, particularly Robert George out of Princeton, that which shocks me. And to be honest with you, I, I, I wish I could say I agree with him, but he's a lot smarter than me. He thinks Roe is going to be overturned. As a result of this, and you could read, I invite people to read what Robert George has said. And the reason why he says so is similar to what Chris was saying, purely constitutionally speaking. This is not dogmatic. This is not personal. This is purely constitutionally speaking. They base their argument on the 14th Amendment, and it's weak. And it will lose. And he thinks it's going to lose, which is going to cause 
a tsunami across the United States. He believes it's going to go back to the states. This is Robert George, not Joe Racinella. So people pay attention to this and really read into this because this is a significant, significant case that is being put forth. I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Because to be honest with you, a big part of George's argument is constitutional, but what he also says is if they don't do it, it basically says that the court is a political entity and there will be a backlash politically that will hurt the political left. Talk to that a little bit. Chris, I want you to Chris, I want you to answer that question and then keep in mind if you if we have a couple a minute or so after you answer that question because I think it ties into it and also what is your opinion on like you know obviously um, let's take the, the Mississippi bill, 15 weeks, and all of a sudden, abortions, not only are reduced, Planned Parenthood folds up shop, maybe leaves the state. There's no abortions in Missouri, okay? We know that there's not even a Planned Parenthood in Missouri. So uh, follow up the answer to Joe's question with, do you think that de facto in many states, okay, abortion would essentially be non-existent? So please. Okay. Uh, well, again, I'm not a, a, a lawyer, uh, I'm not a legal scholar, and uh, I would um, say that I think it's too optimistic to believe. From my seat, looking at the women that I, whom I work with, uh, seeing those who are in need, and maybe because I live in uh, New Jersey and work also in New York, uh, you know, very, uh, very deep-seated abortion states. I mean, New York City is the abortion capital of the country. Uh, I am not optimistic in that sense that it'll be overturned. Uh, I hope so, though, because to me, the question is abortion right or wrong, good or bad. It's like asking, is rape something that the state should decide? Is rape something that we can't agree is an evil and wrong and should be punished to the fullest extent of the law? Is rape something that the courts have to ponder whether it's really the right thing to do? No, it's very simple. We know it's like murder uh, and, and I'd like to say like suicide, but that's even being called into question today. And uh, if the Supreme Court decides uh, abortion is uh, Roe v. Wade falls and it goes back completely to the states, uh, if it doesn't happen now, I hope it happens soon. I'm just not as optimistic. It's going to happen sooner than later. doesn't matter. The reality is, and this gets to your other question, uh, Joe P., uh, that we're in a civil war. We are in a civil war because we have states, uh, New York, Illinois, uh, Vermont, uh, I think there's one other one, that state laws, the state legislators and the state governors have all signed uh, bills that have approved the law that their states will permit abortion till the moment of birth, which that also means if somehow a baby is born alive, and it happens about two dozen times every year, uh, late-term abortion, and the baby is born alive. The baby is so strong, it fights against the poisonous drugs that were injected, comes out breathing. Well, in those states, they're going to allow the doctor to doctor, the abortionist, the murderer to kill the baby. And nobody's going to prosecute. No one will prosecute. In fact, in fact, I could tell you it's going on now. It's hard for people to, to believe that 
but it's going on now. And, and we know that from at least the one prosecution of a Philadelphia abortionist, Gosnell. Uh, because you know, abortionists and their team, they want a dead baby. That's the that's what that so-called operation is. So whether if the baby comes out breathing, they'll put it aside, they'll, they'll do other things. It's gruesome, but that's what we have now. And what will happen if Roe v. Wade supposedly falls and goes to the states to decide, well, you have states like Mississippi, Texas, Missouri, uh, the Dakotas, you know, where uh, they will pass laws to prevent abortion. Uh, they will stop funding. You know, Planned Parenthood, big abortion, which is the main driver and defender of, of the killing of children and the preventing of children. That's their only mission. Uh, they will go out of business if they had no government funding. They say they don't need it. They say they get big donors. No way. And guess what? Slavery in England wasn't defeated on the moral grounds as much as we like to talk about, uh, you know, the parliamentarian Wilbur Wilberforce. Mm -hmm. What he succeeded in was cutting off the funding. Once you cut off the funding, guess what? It's not, it doesn't pay. doesn't pay. So we cut the funding off of abortion. All our taxpayer dollars, you know, we keep limiting it. We try to uh, rearrange it. Doesn't matter. Planned Parenthood, they just keep getting their tentacles uh, in their so-called health services. They don't do mammograms. They don't do, you know, they don't help women with uh, breast cancer. They don't help uh, kids with sexually transmitted diseases. They find them out and they send them to real doctors. They just use that as a cover. That's a little cover. And it's also a way for them to milk uh, Medicaid uh, to get more money for doing little to nothing. And because the government officials are not fighting it because they're protecting them, just like uh, the police. Uh, I mean, I support the police, uh, but but when the police are defending and protecting and arresting people who are trying to prevent abortion peacefully and prayerfully, and we may get to this a little later, uh, then they're doing the wrong thing. They're doing and judges who condemn people who are peaceful and prayerful and trying to stop the killing of children. They're doing the wrong thing. It doesn't matter what the law says. There's an ultimate law. Uh, there's a you know a, a supreme judge, <laughs> and we know him as God. We know him as Jesus Christ. We know him as the Holy Spirit who acts in our lives. Believe me. Uh, listeners, <laughs> uh, there will be a judgment day for each one of us. And it's coming, uh, I know, sooner than we think. So we have to face that. Whether you're a judge, a lawyer, a doctor, uh, a police officer, uh, you, you've got to do what's morally right, uh, not not what is morally wrong under any circumstances. Yeah, doing what's right would include also not arresting and charging with a felony, Father Fidelis Mashinsky, you know, in Pennsylvania for simply handing a rose you know, to a to a woman and trying to talk to her about about the preciousness of the life inside her. Um, I saw him recently, and um, I didn't want to bother him about asking him about that. But yeah, it was in the news. He was, you know, he was he was he was charged with a felony, you know, for for the red rose. But here's the thing: when the radicals storm into a Catholic church and they start throwing things around, if I grabbed one of them and held them for, held them for the cops, are they not trespassing? Should they not then be charged with a felony? No, they'll say, ah, oh, they're just a young kid. They say, no, 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 I want them charged with a felony. If you're going to charge Father Fidelis Mashinsky with a felony for handing a rose to somebody in the waiting room of a, of a Planned Parenthood, then I want those I want those Antifa types, when they walk into a Catholic church and start to deface it, when they're caught, I want them charged 
with a felony too. Well, Joe, how about that? I, I, I wouldn't want to be uh, uh, grabbed by you. Uh, you're a big guy, and, uh, and I know you got passion. Uh, I, I think, though, you should get Father Fidelis and, and maybe a few other Red Rose Rescuers on the show. I think that would be another great panel for you guys. I would agree. Well, well, well uh, Father Father Stephen Imperato, um, you know, he's a friend of the show. Um, yeah. Father Fidelis, quite frankly, is busy, but I did throw, I did plant the seed with him last time I saw him. I said, Father, we... We'd love to have you on um, and and talk about that. But yeah, sometimes and 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 Chris, listen, we're Catholic men, okay? I've said to Joe in conversation a million times, I'm surprised I've kept my cool. Um, and you're down there every first Saturday, even more so because I know you were probably in Brooklyn too a few months ago when that nonsense happened. Every ounce of my being, I know that if it wasn't for God's grace, I could get very, very upset. Sure. With 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 those people. And because of God's grace and remembering I'm not there for me, I'm there to pray for these people, not just the babies, not just their moms. We're praying for these people, too, that the death scorts, the, the so-called doctor, everybody involved. OK, it's a beautiful witness. I'm privileged to have been. Um, and hopefully I could get back to it um, in the future. I'm privileged to have gone down there because it's a great lesson for us as Catholics, it teaches us patience how to love and not to hate, how to control our emotions. It, it really, you know, really taught me a lot in the couple of years that I, that I went down there, and mainly because of the example of a father, Mashinsky or the Sisters of Life uh, or the CFRs, you know. So, so uh, yeah, I just, wanted, I just wanted to mention that. Um, we're well, let, going let to a break. Let, let me make, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. We well, have I'll about 30 seconds. No, no, 30 seconds. Go ahead. Uh, we were just talking about, you know, and I'll add my own personal story. Because I, at Good Counsel Homes, we help women who are pregnant and with children and no place to go. Again, their witness and those who have been through the pain of abortion, their sharing and us trying to help them heal through post-abortion ministry, that also has made me do what, what you're doing too. And that's going out in front of an abortion mill, whether it's first Friday down at Old St. Patrick's Cathedral, we start to pray there and go to Planned Parenthood two blocks away. And you're right, it's God's grace that prevents us from going and smashing those windows and breaking down those doors and stopping the horror that's going in there. So we pray, we pray fervently, we pray for the abortionists. We want them all like Dr. Nathanson, God rest his soul, to convert. To convert. You know, Chris, let's leave it there a second. We're gonna take a quick break. You're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello, and when you have Chris Bell on your show, you are in the breach, co-founder of Good Council Homes. Remember to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app and spread the word about The Frontline with Joe and Joe on social media. Stick around, don't go anywhere. We're gonna come right back. Hey, you know about our Veritas shows, right? All five? It starts every Sunday at 5 p.m. with The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talk to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank. This is your chance to hear Bishop Frank Caggiano talk about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. That's when you can hear It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. It's a late night show on Catholic Radio, and Liv mixes faith with humor, games, and dynamic interviews. There's a double dose of shows on Friday. First, at noon, it's Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. 
then at 12.30 on Fridays, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where Peter Sonsky puts the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello in the breach with Chris Bell, co-founder of Good Council Homes on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. I'm glad, Joe Resinello, we ended that last segment talking about, because one of the things Joe and I are trying to do, Chris, uh, amongst other things, is blow up false narratives. And this narrative that we are violent or whatever the case might be, okay, uh, we yell at people, we condemn people. It's a lie. I'm glad you mentioned that and talking about praying in front of the abortion mill. It's a lie. And Joe and I are here to expose those lies. Rosanello, I'm going to hand it over to you, brother. We talked a little bit <clears throat> about Dobbs, uh, why that's so significant. And I want to specifically get to good counsel and what you're doing um, day to day, Chris. But I want to just, based on, I was listening to, to you speak, and I, I just want to throw something out there. The United States is one of seven countries in the world that permits third trimester abortions. One in seven. And if you look up that list, we're not in good company. This is barbarity. And yet, our culture is unfazed. I when you step back from that and think about this, about this, I can't wrap my arms around it. Ultimately, Chris, and this is where I want to get your comments, and because you mentioned we pray for the abortionists, we pray for all the women. We're not haters. We're lovers. It's about a disconnection to a reality. The reality is God and that he loves you. And that's why we're unfazed. And the solution lies there. The solution is there. Ultimately, I always say this. It's like a ping pong match. Goes to one side, the other, the other side, the other, the other. Argue, argue, argue. Let's get to the root of it. That's the root of it. Chris Bell, talk to that. Because I, that's the answer. Our country works when we are a moral people. We're no longer that people. We're unfazed by barbarity. Speak to that. It's a big question. And I think we can look in our, ourselves. I'll look at myself and I will readily confess uh, I am a sinner. I've always been a sinner. And there have been times when I've been separated from the church and the sacraments. Uh, I'm grateful it was a short time, but it was a time that certainly didn't lead me into a happier, healthier, uh, more holistic uh, view of, of myself and of life and of others. I think it's a grace uh, to know that God is our Father. It's a grace to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if those who are listening don't agree with that or are not yet on that page or don't feel a personal connection in, in their life, particularly in their own prayer life, uh, then I would just say, keep asking. Don't give up. Keep asking. Uh, I know some it happens to be some very intellectual men who struggled with that question their entire life. They did great work. I mean, great humanitarian work, but they didn't feel a personal connection with God. And we who have that have to pray very hard because 
in myself, there is a war between good and evil. Now, I, I'm not a dualist, uh, but St. Paul himself says, why do I do the wrong that I know is not wrong and I can't do the good that I know is good to do? So if St. Paul, who wrote, I think, 60% of the New Testament, can describe this struggle, St. Augustine, if you know anything about the Bishop of Hippo, before he was a bishop, which he writes about in his confessions, and afterwards, you know that he would talk about this struggle that where our, our, he would I call it the um, uh, passions, right? That we have, good and bad, everyone. Well, I'll talk about me. Every day I struggle and I, I pray and I ask the Lord to help me. And when I fall, which is frequently, I, I ask God for forgiveness and keep going. And the nation, now we, what's a nation? A nation is made up of a lot of people. <laughs> so it's more of me and not personally me, but me, other people were different. So now when I look at an abortionist, and I do, I've talked to abortionists and, and you know, those who are wearing uh, the, the uh, pro-abortion counselors on the street and others, I, I, I try to remember they're me. They're me too. And, and they're me at a different time and place. And I, I wasn't pro-abortion, I, I will say that, but I didn't always do what was right, right? What do you do when you're, you know God loves you and you know what's right and wrong? You have to help and encourage and support people to do what's right. So when someone, uh, well, obviously with a, with a woman who says, I'm thinking about an abortion, I don't lecture, I don't, I say, why? Where's your heart at? Why, why? And usually the heart is very divided. And uh, you who've had an abortion, who are listening right now to us, uh, you know, I, I say, I hope you, I know, I hope you know the Lord loves you. I hope you know God forgives. And, and men or women, if you've been involved in an abortion, if you've encouraged or paid for one, whatever you've done, if you, if you're hearing me now, and you don't know the peace of Jesus Christ, you don't know the peace in your own heart and the reconciliation in your own soul, I'm telling you, God forgives. You know, if you're Catholic, go to confession. And if you've been to confession and you don't feel that peace, then please reach out to goodcounselhomes.org. We have a post-abortion healing program for men and women called Lumina. Uh, and again, that's Good Counsel Homes, Council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, homes with an S at the end of it.org and, and look for Lumina, look for post-abortion help. And, and that's, it's not only for at good counsel. There are many, many post-abortion programs. Some are sectarian, you know, Protestant, different denominations, or uh, I don't really know of any secular ones, but if you don't have any belief or faith and you just want to talk about your abortion and you want to find healing, it, it's not always, it, we won't, force you into a religious box, we'll find a, a counselor who understands, because not all psychologists and social workers really know and understand abortion hurts, and there is a way to heal. And it, it, in healing, you don't say, oh, don't worry about it, or make excuses for your circumstances. No, no, it was wrong. I mean, if I pulled the trigger by mistake and I killed someone, uh, it was wrong. It was a mistake. I still killed someone. There's a grief process. We're talking about grieving that I would need to go through. And I could never, you know, be forgiven. Well, I'm sorry. I can be forgiven, um, but I can't make up for it. I can't uh, do restitution for the life that's lost. 
but I can find forgiveness and healing and hope. I, I'm, Joe, am I going a little no, too far? I, I have a no, follow-up, no, no, but no, Joe, no. I just, I, I just, Hey, I just simply want to remind everybody that the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello in the breach with Chris Bell on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, Chris Bell being the co-founder of Good Council Homes. Quick comment. I think this is one of the reasons why uh, on a, just a separate note very quickly, why we have to continue to fight for a, a more fair media uh, to push back against the 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 um, the suppression of our views by big tech because of because of what you just said, Chris. I don't think people can un women, let's say, understand the story of a Teresa Bonapartis who was pressured into having an abortion by her father, or a father Stephen Imbarato who sent at the time his girlfriend to go have an abortion, found out later aborted twins, okay? Or a Dr. Bernard Nathanson, a Jewish doctor in New York who championed abortion. He's one of the reasons why we have Roe versus Wade. He, he performed 60,000 abortions, converted to the Catholic Church, became the greatest pro-life advocate and died in the graces of the grace of our Lord in the, in the sacraments. That's why we fight and what Joe and I say all the time, we have to fight to get our voice out there and continue to fight to open up these areas because if people knew about examples that I just gave Chris, it'll strike something both in their, in their mind and in their heart. In other words, and, and so I just wanted to make a point about free speech. We have to keep fighting to get these stories and these messages out there. I want to hand it back over to Joe. Chris, I, I just want to piggyback on what you were saying. I mean, clearly there's a legal aspect to this, and, and that can't be understated. Um, you know, people have to, you know, work through the legal process, and we are. And, and frankly, I think we are, we've made considerable strides. We mentioned Dobbs being one. However... Along what you're saying, people put up walls. I've learned this through the different things I've been involved with. You know, um, I could be argumentative, and frankly, I I'm fairly knowledgeable, and I could throw for put forth some pretty logical and linear arguments that I find to be, to be honest with you, very sound. Yet they're they're ignored because of the wall. Christ breaks the wall down. You see, I've recently seen pictures of Father, uh, we've talked about Father Fidelis in Brooklyn, um, up against some pretty aggressive people. When I say up against, they're in his face, blowing cigarette smoke, yelling at him, violent. It's violent. They're not touching him. It's violent. I, I mean, it, it's, it's emotional because it's like, it's Christ-like. He just stays there. Like Christ loved to the end. That's what changes people. You see, there the barrier breaks. The wall is shattered. It's like the movie John Wayne. You know, like when he stabs Christ in the famous movie, he's like, my Lord and my God. Like, boom. That's what we have to do. Talk about that. Because, you know, a lot of times people listen to this, they'll hear us that, you know, you put forth all the good arguments and they're good. It's like talking to the wall. It's like talking to the wall. I see this in my own life, Chris. I talk to people, my own family, my friends. It's like, stop drinking cyanide. They keep doing it. But it's God who changes those images. I, I'll be honest with you. They were very powerful because they were Christ-like. Talk about that witness. That's what we need. I, I, I want to bring up two uh, points. One is for those who are 
pro-abortion now. And I don't know if anybody's listening to the show, but if you are, if you are now, we love you. I love you. Uh, I'm praying for you every day like I pray for my family and myself uh, to uh, grow and convert every day. I pray for, please, and I ask everybody listening to please pray for my conversion. And, uh, and we pray for the conversion of everyone because God loves every single soul. Every person you see today is an infinite, immortal human soul who we hope to see in heaven together again. And, uh, and I don't know if I'm going to get there. So you pray for me and I'll pray for you. Uh, the second thing I'd like to talk a little bit by way of example of everything you're just saying is Bernard Nathanson. My wife uh, is his godmother uh, and uh, we were there at, at his baptism and uh, he is, as you say, the reason, I think he's the primary reason he was a doctor, a medical doctor, otherwise accomplished uh, OBGYN, and he pushed abortion. Why? For his own selfish reasons. And uh, what converted him, he would say, uh, after he saw scientifically, ultrasound began to be common in the 70s, and he started to see those little patients, it changed his mind. The visual changed his mind from somebody who just wanted to get rid of babies to someone to say, oh, this is another patient. That was a, He wrote an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association. I think it was in 72 or 74, because abortion was legal in New York State by 68. So he was practicing abortion and uh, and it was very open and but he but by 72, 74, somewhere in there, I should look up the date. He wrote an article that called the baby a patient and he said could there be a way a world where we can take care of both now he wasn't changing his mind that early but by the late 70s he stopped doing abortions and said uh, i can't do this anymore he became pro-life and much later in, in 1995 was it 96 uh he uh was baptized into the catholic church and he died a catholic uh, and was buried from St. Patrick's Cathedral, which I think shows a lot of how merciful the church is because he would rail against the bishops back in the 60s saying, mm -hmm. they're telling you what to do with your body. You know, you get those bishops off your body. And that's how he helped promote abortion uh, by turning the, the faithful, by turning even lukewarm Catholics into, you know, pro-abortion advocates. So if he can convert, we all can convert and we can pray. And that's why those who are yelling and screaming at us, those who are committing abortions now, uh, we have to love them as Bernard Nathanson was loved into embracing not only the well of course embracing the faith which means embracing his own sinfulness embracing god's mercy embracing that you know love is greater and stronger than death and and that's what we're facing uh, I'll, I'll mention uh, maybe i have time for two other little comments along this line one is another uh, another catholic doctor OBGYN, faithful faithful catholic and he um still pre prescribed contraception. Now, uh, this may be hard for some people to hear, and I, and I don't mean to shock them, but I'm going to preface it again by saying God is infinitely merciful. And if you don't know you were committing a sin, you're pretty much absolved of that sin. Don't commit that sin again, right? That's what the Lord said to the woman who was caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. Yeah, don't do it again. You know, I, I don't condemn you, but don't do it again. So, 
this Catholic doctor was prescribing birth control pills. Now he knew that there were no studies that said birth control pills kill babies, but we know, and he knew scientifically, of course it does. Now, why do I say, of course, why they call it birth control, but it does not prevent the woman from ovulating a hundred percent of the time. That's what the pill generally does. It stops a woman from ovulating because it, puts in hormones, which makes her body think she's pregnant, so she doesn't ovulate. But sometimes, maybe she misses a day or two, maybe she's taking other medication, which represses those hormones, and the ovulation occurs. And if there's sperm available because of activity, and, and you know, this uh, sperm can be there for five days uh, in a healthy woman, in a healthy sexual union. Uh, and so that uh, even though a woman's taking a pill most of the time or even all the time, the ovulation occurs, the sperm is there, conception occurs. Now, at the moment of conception, you have 46 chromosomes that are unique, that determine your gender and your hair color and the fact that I was going to go bald uh, when I, you know, my 40s. You and me both, Chris. You and me both, both brother. Uh, you know, all that was determined at that moment of conception and so you have a unique human being, never before conceived, never again, will be here again. And if you're taking the birth control pill, so-called birth control pill, or you're taking Depo-Provera, or you have this patch, or, or these other medical so-called contraceptives, well, the conception took place, that baby is now multiplying, the cells are growing, uh, and the child within five to seven days goes into the womb, where naturally that child should attach to the mother lovingly uh, and physically and receive nurturance. Well, now there's enough of that hormonal pill or patch or, um, or if it's the IUD floating around there, it's going to cut that baby off. Uh, the womb is a hostile environment and that conceived child who's already growing will die. And most of the time women don't know it because they maybe have an extra menstrual period or heavy bleeding, whatever it is, they may not even know that it may just go right down uh, and be expelled from the body. So, uh, so we know so-called contraception actually causes more abortions. Now this doctor who I'm talking about um, said to me that it was not until he first embraced Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, where he had another convert. He was going to church, he was going, going to confession, but once he had this personal revelation and experience with the Lord, it changed his heart and mind. He stopped writing prescriptions for birth control because he knew it was wrong before he had an excuse and he didn't feel this personal connection because I asked him one day I said why why can't I tell other doctors you know uh, to stop writing the birth control pill which isn't birth control it's it's uh, also abortion and he said um, it wasn't until I was converted. So I try to evangelize. I try to share the love of the Lord and the mercy of the Lord. And again, for all of you who may have been taking that pill, who are, may have the uh, IUD in you now or a patch or, or an arm, get it out, stop doing it and know that God forgives. He infinitely forgives. And I know women who've cried and cried and cried because they thought, how many children did I abort not knowing? 
I say God knows and God forgives. Ask him for forgiveness. You're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, joined, with Joe, joined by Joe Racinolo. We are in the breach with Christopher Bell from Good Council Homes. One thing I want to say, Chris, in, in that regard before I hand it over to Joe, um, I think that people do need to get it through their head because Joe and I say all the time, you can forget about the left sometimes. You start talking about the evil of contraception with a lot of right-wingers in America, you're going to get the same reception as if you were in the room with AOC. Okay, you're going to have a problem because, as it always comes down to, the abortion is the effect of the problem, okay? And then all the other attendant consequences, gender ideology and the rest of it, okay? Contraception and the contraceptive mentality was illegal for a reason. Pope Paul VI outlined this in Humanae Vitae. He didn't just talk about the evil of the act of artificially contraceptive. He talked about the effects of it. Guess what? He was pretty spot on because all of it, all of this swamp and this evil that we're living in have at, at its root, okay, contraception and the contraceptive mentality. We need to more be more bold um, in our proclamation of that truth because that is true. Now, we could go on for that for a long time, but we only have about eight minutes. Chris, Chris, something tells me you must be either part Italian or you took a vowel off the end of your name because you talk just as long as Joe and I. We love it. <laughs> well, my mother, my mother was Italian. My oh, mother, your mother was, was a paisan. A razzo, a razzo, of course. Oh, that's, where you, that's where you get it from. Well, you, you fit right in with this crew, Chris Bell. Joe Racinello. We probably have time, Joe, for about one more question. So I'll hit I'm glad. <clears throat> I'm glad we're talking about contraception because it's a taboo. Um, and it's important. There's so many aspects to the conversation, but ultimately it's about pleasure. I want to have pleasure without accountability. That's ultimately the contraception mentality. And you talked about this doctor, he comes through a change. The change is this, we have to witness to life. You see, people have to see this in our Catholic people. Chris, how many kids you have? Seven. Many yeah. of them are adopted. Um, some have some, some, you know, some limitations. You see, that's witness. You see, we have to live this. It has to be visualized. I always say this: man believes what he sees. Show me. Show me. We're all from Missouri, Joe. Missouri. <clears throat> show me so, state, baby. This is what me. I'm talking about. And how do you do that? It's obviously oh a surrender. <laughs> it's a death to self. How does a married couple accept this very challenging teaching? Life, which means I die to myself because Jesus Christ said it is in dying that we receive. You see, this is the message, but it has to be viewed. And this is what will change people. You know, speaking for myself, what radically opened my eyes is seeing radical Catholicism because I didn't see it as a young man. I was Catholic. I mean, I went to Catholic school. Talk about that need. People out there who listen to us have to be changed. But before you're changed, you got to witness something. Talk about how do we encourage this. I think my personal belief, it has to come through the sacraments. It has to come through adoration, but I'm interested in what you think, Chris. Well, uh, 
uh, to uh, be a, a little more graphic, you know, if you want good sex, you want really happy, healthy, holy, ha wild sex, you know, get married and just give it all away. I mean, the worst thing that a loving couple, man and woman can do is say, I love you, dear, but I don't know if I really want you to have my children. Or or she's saying, you know, I'm not so sure I want your DNA uh, in, in my baby. I mean, it's a wild expression today to say, I want this spouse for the rest of my life, and I'm willing to see what fruit comes of our union and total abandonment. I mean, just no thought about what the consequences are. Now, you mentioned uh, my family. So I'm, I'm saying this not even by way of example. This is what happened. So Joan and I uh, were obviously very committed uh, to our faith, the church, uh, committed to pro-life. And I, I have to say, but, but because of those beliefs, we had this natural attraction to want a family. And Joan had a better vision of what that looked like. We were older when we got married. I was in my 30s. Joan was in her 40s. So we were not a young couple. So right away, we talked about adoption as a possibility. And, and I would say this to young people, too, who are getting married. No one's guaranteed a child. So talk about adoption. Before you get married, talk about children, talk about adoption. If you are not able or willing to talk about children, then I don't know if you should talk about getting married to somebody. And you certainly shouldn't talk about living with them because guess what? You copulate, you're going to have a possibility of a child. What are you going to do then? Don't wait until it happens. It's like, you know, uh, giving somebody the keys to a car and not telling them how to drive. I mean, come on. So, you know, sex is wonderful. It's God given and it's there in its place and time. And when it, you're in the right place in the right time, meaning married and, you know, open to life, which we all should be when you get married, then it's just wonderful. So we were older and we prayed for many children and God blessed us with our daughter. A month before our first wedding anniversary, Mary Louise was born. And, and then after that, again, we were older, so we, we didn't know the chances of, and we were practicing NFP for the purpose of conceiving a child because natural family planning, some people call it NAPRO technology, will help you conceive. For all those infertile couples out there, for those of you who know people who are infertile, go to a natural procreative fertility specialist, NAPRO technology. Look for someone who knows about NFP. It'll help you improve the chances of conceiving a child. Because those who've used contraception for years, the system is not what it's supposed to be, but you can reverse it. Again, God is forgiving, nature less so. So sometimes medical intervention is possible. IVF is totally wrong. We don't have time to get into it now. I'll leave it at that. I'll come back. We'll talk about IVF Absolutely. another time. But I would recommend, Chris, I would recommend along those lines very quickly, uh, anybody, particularly in our area, New York, New Jersey area, look up Gianna Institute. Thank you, um, you Gianna. Gianna. Gianna Institute, Dr. Nolte in particular uh, there. Phenomenal, phenomenal doctor, and they're very Catholic. And okay, but go ahead, Chris. We have, you don't, Chris, you we don't have, have to be Catholic. You don't have to be Catholic. Yeah, you to don't go have there. to be Catholic to go. You know, 
Anybody with infertility, look up Gianna, particularly uh, in New York, New Jersey, and Long Island, and uh, I, I don't know about Connecticut yet. But uh, so anyway, Joe and I had our first child. We then looked to adopt, and we talked about this before we got married. We we figured uh, this was the '90s. Uh, adoption was not that common in the U.S. Uh, it also wasn't common for people who look like us, right? So we're we're Caucasians, right? Uh, Northern European. We said we'll adopt anybody, uh, even with special needs, and we didn't even know what that meant. We just said will be open to special needs. And again, you put your hands in the, in the hands of the Lord. The Lord is our shepherd. He wants to protect us and love us infinitely. He will always give you more. Your cup will runneth over. So our first adoption with, with a young uh, boy from Mexico City, he has a disease called arthrogaposis. So we started going to Shriners Hospital to address those ambulatory and and physical constrictors. Uh, and so we figured the Shriners, that's not so bad. So then the the, the next couple of kids, uh, they came from Russia and they are, they're lacking some fingers uh, and toes. They actually only have two digits on each limb. Uh, so one's a, a mechanic, the other one's an artist, a photographer and, a, and an artist, go figure. Um, then uh, the next um, child came, um, I, I messed up the order a little bit. The, the third adoption was, uh, the se- I'm sorry, second adoption, third child was from Lancaster, uh, born in Lancaster, but the mother was uh, from Jamaica uh, and the other. The so we're going to. Unfortunately, because we're on the radio, we have to leave it there. Real okay. quick, Chris, 10 seconds. Where can people contribute, uh, find out more about Good Counsel Homes, perhaps give of their of their treasure well, and thank help you guys out? Good Counsel survives on your support, your, pri- your private donation. So please go to Good Counsel, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, homes with an S at the end of it, dot org, goodcouncilhomes.org. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're all over the social media, Good Counsel Homes. We need your help. Uh, and if you want to write me, write me at Good Counsel, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, post office box, box 6068, for those who like to write, box 6068 in Hoboken, New Jersey, 07030, 07030. Thank you. Chris Bell, thank you very much for joining us again at the front line with Joe and Joe. We want to thank all you listeners out there for listening to us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area, 1350 on your AM dial. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app. And of course, follow Joe and I on Facebook, YouTube, social media until they shut us down, of course. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation. And that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.